This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This podcast is supported in part by the Bertha Foundation. Ah, oh, g'day, Lewis. How are you? I'm great, Dan. How are you? Look, I, I've, I'm just overwhelmed at how much news there has been this week. It's, uh, it's going to be a very complicated show to put together tonight. Let me yeah, tell you. Yeah, my solution to that has been to not read any, so I'm coming <laughs> in hot. Right. Well, I'll have you know that uh, people are paying good money to hear your informed takes, and we have, uh, we've broken the record, Lewis. We've broken the record on number of people who signed up this week to Patreon. Um, we are wow. up 12 new signups this week, so big thank you to Chris Loader, Mary Creek, Marie, Jeremy Burge, who is the CEO of the indispensable Emojipedia. He's signed up. Our friend Rachel Hayden has signed up. William Salas, oh. uh, Stacey Allen, Ben Greer. Now, the following four people signed up because I said I would send them a milky bar on Twitter this afternoon. <laughs> Frederick Stokes, Emma Rennie, Adrian Carter and Kieran Castellino. Uh, thank you very much to everybody who signed up to the Patreon this week. It's incredible. That's so great. Um, and it's actually, you should do that all the time because on like a like, you should give out Milky Bars because what are they, like 10 cents to 30 cents? Well, what, like, we well, could do that for everyone. Well, what I did this afternoon was I looked up how much um, those celebrity websites said I was worth and it said oh, I was, I was worth between $1 million and $5 million and I said the Milky Bars are on me. <laughs> Hell yeah. You can and, finally buy that house in Bondi. <laughs> That's right. Well, it assumes I own, I own a house in Bondi. Uh, also, Lewis, we have sold 70 seats to our Melbourne International Comedy Festival show, which is huge. That's great. 
Uh, How many do we have to go? How uh, many Milky Bars do we need to give away? Well, here's the problem, Lewis. Uh, here's the problem. Uh, <laughs> I only realised that I accidentally booked the second largest room in the town hall. <laughs> All right. So, All right. so there's, great. there's the town hall which sits about uh, 1,000 people. That's like a Ronnie Cheng mm. size room. Uh, mm. And then the Irrational Fear size room, which is probably about 70, which is probably the one that really matches our ambition, is the, don't think exists. And then there's the supper room. So that holds about 300. So we've still got a whole stack of seats to sell. 300. Melbourne's about like 5 million people. We're fine. I'm not worried. <laughs> so please go to comedyfestival.com.au and get a ticket to Irrational Fear, April 11th. It's a huge show. We'll tell you more about it later on in the show. And one final thing um, before we kick off the show, there is one joke in the intro tonight, Lewis, that Joe mm. on Twitter said if I included it in the intro, he would become a Patreon supporter. So so we're full cash for comments now. We've just gone completely oils ain't oils, all in. We'll say whatever you pay us to this is how the economy works. This is how this is how the creator economy works. So, we, so Lewis, when you hear a joke, and you you think to yourself, "Was that joke really necessary?" Okay, <laughs> it was an. Audit- I mean, it's actually based on our history. That's going to be very hard to pick. <laughs> well, it was in order to get four dollars fifty a month on Patreon. So, oh God, you, Dan, you are so cheap. I know you are not worth. I know. Someone needs to write to that website and say. He is not worth. He's not. He doesn't think of himself as worth one point five million dollars. Uh, yep, that's true. That is, that is absolutely true. Uh, they don't know, but we have been spending some of our Patreon money. Um, thank you because we, we bought some ads on Triple R to promote the uh, Irrational Fear comedy shows. That was really great. So oh, yeah. thanks for if you've heard, heard those ads. Thanks very much. Uh, I'm recording my end of Irrational Fear on Gadigal Land of the Eora Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show. Irrational Fear contains naughty words like Brexit. Canberra Fair Dickum and Section 40 A Rational Fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Tonight, the east coast of Australia is battered by a once-in-100-year weather event for the tenth time this year. And New South Wales house prices are set to rise again as now everyone has waterfront views. And Prime Minister Scott Morrison responds to Deskgate by shuffling dick chairs. It's the 26th of March 2021 and with more needless political semen than a Collins-class submarine program... There it is. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) This is Irrational Fear! (laughs) Irrational Fear! You do that. You should have charged so much more. So many milky bars. Yeah. That's Joe. He's going to become a lifetime supporter, I hope. Welcome to Irrational Fear. I'm your host, disgraced multi-code footballer, Dan Illich. This is the podcast that takes the biggest stories of the week and crashes them into the wall of the Suez Canal. Let's meet our fear mongers tonight. Our first fear monger is one of Australia's most loved comedians, and according to celebsagewiki.com, they have a net worth of between $1 million and $5 billion as well. It's Jen Fricker. Oh, far out. This changes everything. Oh, my God. Um, uh, uh, you're all peasants. I look down on you. Sorry. Go on. You go. <laughs> and she is a reformed satirist who has gone legit and is now one of the country's best investigative journalists from Crikey. It's Amber Schultz. Hello. Hi. I've forgotten how to be funny, so let's see how this goes. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that intro? So's Dan. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he's a man who's neither a millionaire nor investigative journalist. It's Lewis Hobber. Yeah, thanks, Dan. I guess it's true. I am worthless and trash and nothing. What's my? Did you look up my worth on the celebrity website? Do oh. they just go ABC employee didn't bother investigating? Uh, I'm not too sure. Look, I, I don't know. Look, sure, you've you've had a much more storied career than myself, so I'm sure you're worth about ten million dollars. I'm sure of that. Out. Yeah. Feels yeah, good. buddy. You're worth a, a trillion, billion dollars. <laughs> All right. Don't well, worry about it. You know, it was bad enough when Dan um, said it and when you said it. As a fellow millionaire, I thought we would <laughs> stick together. Ah, I only care about poor. I mean, rich people. I hate the poor. Sitting with the 1% here. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look yeah, at me. That's right. <laughs> Gobbling my water. We're all going to subscribe to crikey.com to keep your job going. It's important. Mm. Um, something. We don't have a sponsor this week, but we do have something a little bit different. I have a bit of leaked audio from the Parliament House Prayer and Meditation Room. Uh, I don't know. We've heard oh, no. a lot about this uh, over the of the last bit of the last week in the news, particularly from Channel 10's Peter Van Onselen. The uh, the Parliament House Prayer and Meditation Room is used for all sorts of activities where people yell "Oh God" and not necessarily uh, prayer or meditation. More on that later in the podcast. One of those activities is apparently the uh, Parliament House Karaoke Night. Here is Scott Morrison singing one of his favourites and. Given it's Elton John's birthday this week, it's more appropriate than ever. Welcome to the fifth annual Parliament House karaoke competition. I know, I know Garrett comes back and wins every year. But I might not be one to pick up a hose, but I certainly have picked up a microphone before. (laughs) Hey kids, learn from my empathy consultant. Turns out all that I have to say is I find those guys repulsive. Won't say a thing about how I will propose real change. But if I try to cry, maybe no one will notice anything strange. Cause I'll stand up for women when they need me, but only the ones I like. <laughs> Jenny and the girls. Only relate to my relatives. What more could I really even do? I haven't named names, I mean, I'm not to blame. I could have shot protesters right at the scene, but I didn't want to know why. Jenny and the girls. Jenny. Yeah, Jenny. Jenny. Sing along. Jenny and the girls. I reckon I'm personally nailing this, Dutton. What do you think? Yeah, Scott, better than Elton. Yeah. Jenny and the girls. Yes, Gabby Bolt there. <laughs> that was so good. The incredible Gabby Bolt. She's going to be joining us on stage for our Melbourne show. Her only, and very, this is her first ever Melbourne Comedy Festival show. She's going to be doing it with us, which is great. So come and see her the only time she will ever be unfamous enough to do this show with us. <laughs> <laughs> which leads us to our first week's fear. After two big scandalous stories about the going-ons of Parliament House dropped on Monday. First was the titillating Peter Van Onselen story on 10 News about consensual mail sex in the meditation prayer room, which also included a story about a staffer who wanked over of a woman MP's desk a few years back. Uh, why did PVO decide to publish this? Well, apparently um, the desk went to university with Peter Van Onselen, uh, their old friends. <laughs> the desk was his best man at his wedding. It definitely wasn't to draw attention to the Four Corners, uh, away from the Four Corners story that was coming out later that night. The Four Corners story. Probably the more explosive bombshell story that the Prime Minister misled Parliament and his office uh, basically 
a wholesale cover-up by members of the federal cabinet of Brittany Higgins's rape, including uh, all the likely suspects like uh, uh, Reynolds, Cash, Dutton and Morrison himself. Um, this led to the Prime Minister hitting the ground running on Tuesday with a press conference to set the tone right to make amends. The ambition of that press conference was to concede that the culture in Parliament House is terrible and things need to change. The Prime Minister thought the best way to do this was to cry on camera again and list the relatives he knows that are women uh, and make some non-binding promises to think about quotas which is kind of a big shift for a conservative politician, a concession, if you will. But then during questioning, something happened that undid all of his crocodile tears. Amber, how was the mood shift on in Parliament House on Tuesday and what happened at that press conference? Well, it was absurd. It started off, okay, as soon as he was on script, you know, it was, you know, a couple of tears, a bit of empathy. The second he went off script, it all turn to shit. And you've got to kind of feel for his media advisors here who are really trying to keep things on track. There was a Sky journalist, Angel Chessels, who asked him essentially, you know, if you were in any other workplace, wouldn't you have been let go in other words? And Scott Morrison just turned around and said, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be talking because uh, in your workplace, there's a, there's harassment allegation there. Let me, um, let me play that for you. Here you go. Doesn't it look like You've lost control of your ministerial staff here. Well, I'll let you editorialise as you like, Andrew. Um, but if anyone in this room wants to offer up the standards in their own workplaces by comparison, I'd invite you to do so. Well, they're better than these, I would suggest. Well, let, well let, 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 let me take you up on that. Let me take you up on that. Right now, you'd be aware in your own organisation that there is a person who has had a complaint made against them for harassment of a woman in a women's toilet. And that matter is being pursued by your own HR department. I'm not aware so of it. Well, I, you're not aware of it. So let's not, all of us who sit in glass houses here, start getting into that. It's just insane. It's insane. And this is coming from, you know, this is being directed as Sky News journalist. It's really biting the hand that feeds you. <laughs> it really is. It's very strange because he came out wanting to set a new tone, wanting to kind of put his best foot forward and say, we're going to look at bullying in Parliament House and then in the same breath going, I'm going to fucking bully the journalists in this room to say you can't fucking ask me questions because I know something that your HR department hasn't disclosed to anyone. It's such a weird, weird tactic. And the phrase he used is be careful. He's warning him, be very careful with what you call me out on because I'll come back and call you out on one, you're one upping each other on, on workplace assault, which wasn't even true. Yeah, it was incredible. Like the chairman of News Corp put out a, a, a press release saying, uh, the Prime Minister's wrong, uh, none of that is true. <laughs> no, like absolutely none of it was true. So you've kind of got to wonder as well, these media advisors, are they just making up stories? Like, hey, go, go with that, go with that. I wanted to know, because I've heard this theory floated that someone within Scott Morrison's office basically gave him that info to then tee him up to be taken down. And, like, as because there's, like, murmurs of, like, a leadership shift. And I was wondering, I don't know, Amber, you're the investigative journalist. Like, have you heard anything on the ground? (laughs) I mean, I think most news organisations have a few skeletons in their closet, but I haven't heard anything about this from Sky News. But it's just, it's not something you can really throw in someone's face or your sexual harassment was worse than mine, therefore don't criticise me. There also the implication that it the sort of like second line is like we should all just shut up about it as well. It was yeah, a bit like, mm-hmm. well, I won't tell mine if you don't tell yours, and you're like, yeah, exactly, completely 
you completely missed the point. We like this should be out. Like, what are you doing? It's it's it was like it was shocking as well. Not just because of the content of how shocking it was, but it was such a like to see him fail in something that really should be bread and butter. That kind of like just. It was so weird. You're like, oh, you're like that. Looks like your brain's broken. Leadership at this level to talk about stuff like this is a no-brainer. It's a non-partisan no-brainer. It's easy to be a good leader when you're saying sexual assault is bad and equality in the workplace is good. Like, it, it's so easy to do that. Like, he must have just forgot he was talking to the world as opposed to being in question time, shouting down anyone who opposes him. Like. I don't understand how he could have got this wrong so easily. It has a very, like, meet me behind the Engadine Mac is after school vibe. <laughs> don't you feel? <laughs> I, definitely, I definitely don't trust him with my lunch, Marty. It was interesting seeing uh, <laughs> Olivia Caisley, also another Sky News reporter, came to the defence of her colleague. Here's a clip of her mm-hmm. asking the, the Prime Minister a follow-up question. Well, I, I knew that was brought to my attention late last night, and, and the issue of Brittany Higgins was only brought to my attention on the 15th of February, as I've, as I've said. I mean, the suggestion was made by a member of the press gallery that um, things like this don't happen in the media. And I think that would, I think that would be, I think that would be unfair. <laughs> it's pretty hard, isn't it? It's pretty hard to hear the, the leader of the country saying this, isn't it? Like, this is a clear fundamental failure of moral leadership in our country. And it's just so embarrassing to have this guy running the show at this level. I know Adam Hill said it last week on the podcast, but like he literally works in marketing. You know what I mean? How is he getting this? Fired from marketing. <laughs> ah, that there you go. <laughs> well, it's a time with like so many politicians and just so many people in general where you're like, are you an arsehole or an idiot? Like, are you, do you say this stuff because you uh, know that the answer is the opposite, but you just know how to get points? Or do you, are you genuinely that stupid? And that when stuff like that happens, you're like, oh, I think that, like, that sort of comment sort of suggests, that, like, oh, maybe you're actually just a full idiot. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah. Now, he went on um, Ray Hadley's program the day after, and Ray Hadley said a couple of things uh, that really uh, were, were super interesting. The first one he said was, as uh, soon as he came back on, as soon as he came on air, was like, now, if uh, if any of you out there think I'm going to rip the Prime Minister a new one, you're very wrong. Uh, he's he's apologised, <laughs> you know, he's you know he's, he's gotten over it, and we're here, we're here to, here to listen to the Prime Minister. <laughs> it was really interesting. But in that interview, we went for about half an hour, Ray Hadley could barely ask a question without fucking everything up in between. (laughs) I've got a clip here. We're going to play Hang On A Sec. I'm going to play a clip of Ray Hadley getting from one question to another question. I I guess what you'd like to do is rewind what happened yesterday and deal with it differently when you you, you clash with Andrew. Andrew's, by the way, been on with Ben this morning, accepted your apology because he knows it's a sincere apology. Um, But but I I just wonder a couple of things. There's a couple of things that go over in my mind. Mm. Um, The story on Four Corners was not about women. It was about blokes in Parliament um, having homosexual oh. sex and getting rent boys in. That's what it was about. It wasn't about women. It was oh, about blokes. Hang on it. a sec. <laughs> Can we hang on just a second? <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I feel like he's 
taken out some parts of this. It's not about women now. It sure feels like it's about women. I don't know. It's like, you know, pizza isn't about the bread. It's about the oregano. (laughs) (laughs) Also just Ray Hadley using the term rent boy. I don't know. There's just something uh, very old school about it. Anyway, that's all. (laughs) Well, boomers of that generation, it's the only time they get to say rent. (laughs) (laughs) Consensual sex with other blokes. And, 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 and yeah. that's disgusting. And what happened in the minister's yeah, office? Yeah, hang on a sec. A little, bit of, <laughs> a little bit of homophobia coming through here, Ray. Just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if Ray was running for prime minister, he'd probably win on this platform. <laughs> <laughs> disgusting. And, and blokes performing sexual acts on either women or men, consensually or not, is disgusting when it happens in the workplace. <laughs> maybe we've just not considered that Ray Hadley's frigid. You know, maybe he's, you know, he's asexual yeah. himself and maybe- just never got invited to the Christmas party at the end of the year. <laughs> but I just thought the narrative was lost yesterday that, that it, it became again about, um, you know, alleged attacks on women. And, and the other thing is there's a young woman, a senator uh, from the mm. Greens, who's described, uh, you know, some bludger in the Senate groping at her or, or asking her for a date and, and, and monstering her. Hang on a sec. At least he admits there are bludgers that work in the Senate. That's uh, that's a good admission right there from Ray Hadley. What's the implication of, like, why is the bludger in that sentence? Like, is the is he trying to, like, sow the seeds? Is like, oh, he couldn't grope a woman. The man can't even pass a bill. Like, you can't, you can't pass a law. You can't grope a woman. We identify these sort of people. I mean, whether they're working in this building or your building. Don't we? Do? For sure. No, I mean, it's not. I don't well, care whether it's not. Hang on a sec. On. I'm pretty sure we did identify someone, and Scott Morrison was there going, "No, nah, no, nah, he couldn't have done it. He couldn't have done it. Let's <laughs> let's keep him in his portfolio." Yeah, no, they did identify someone, and now they've given him two weeks of mental health leave, and <laughs> and just <laughs> and just like the Catholic Church does with the problem priests, they're just going to move him to another portfolio. <laughs> also, you know how you were saying at the start of this, Ray Hadley's like, "I'm not going to, um, you know, attack the Prime Minister. We're here to let him speak." He yeah. hasn't let him speak. <laughs> <laughs> 1968 yeah. or 2021. Don't we yeah. call these blokes out? I mean, I made the sure. comment, I've got young women working with me. If they came to me and said, this bloke's putting the hard word on me hmm. and, and, you know, trying to grab my bum, well, he gets shortened up very quickly by me and then by management, I'd imagine. Hang on, Hang a, on a second. I mean, <laughs> Ray Hadley, famously non-toxic workplace. You know, we all know working on the Ray Hadley show is wonderful The mental health. Uh, he deeply cares about it and he's never, ever screamed at anyone. I don't know. Is he too, too inside baseball? I don't know. Yeah, yeah there's I definitely was, no tapes of that around. Yeah. <laughs> if I was sexually harassed at 2GB, the last person I would go to is Ray and be like, hey, can you maybe talk about it on the radio today? Yeah, you yeah, thanks a lot. Blokes don't get it right all the time. As you, we all know that. And I'm just glad the footy's back on, <laughs> too. That helps everybody. A rational fear. Uh, this week's second fear, it turns out the pretentious art festival wanted to do something awful for rich people to look at. A Spanish artist put a call out to First Nations people to spill their literal blood to be able to drench a Union Jack in it. The artist went on to say, the intent of this project is against colonialism. It is an acknowledgement of the pain and destruction of the colonialism has called First Nations people, devastating entire cultures and civilizations. Fearmongers, is this 
Art, Jen Fricker. Oh, sure. Anything can be art. I went to art school. Art is whatever you want it to be. Art is about the reaction. Um, sure, it's art. Why not? Let's say that. But also, is watching like episodes of Rick and Morty art? Like, no, yes, maybe. But it's basically the same thing. It's just some edge lord guy being like, oh, actually, like. On the inside, we're all the same colour. Like, shut up, dude. What is this? Like, 1970? Like, we've moved past the need for this. Also, I don't know if you saw this guy uh, after the artwork uh, got cancelled from the Dark Mofo Festival. Mm. He put out a statement, Santiago Sierra, saying that uh, he felt like he was being publicly lynched, which is a choice when you're talking to people of colour. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I love good guys with persecution complexes. You know what I mean? No one has a better persecution complex than, like, a white arty dude. Why is a Spanish guy doing this? One of the leaders of colonialism in the world has decided <laughs> to do this. Like, it's, And it feels so weird to kind of do something that's so obvious. You know when, when you write, a, as comedians, you write a joke and you try and make it funny because it's like a nice surprise? There's nothing surprising about drenching a flag in First Nations blood because that is what has happened. Like, it's kind of like there's no ex- yeah. there's no extension or clever idea to kind of extend that concept. It's the kind, just, like, Banksy would have rejected that idea. You know, it's that <laughs> simple. <laughs> I just want to know who he thought was going to put their hand up. Like, it's just such a specific, like, if someone put a call out and they're like, all right, we want a short, ginger, loud woman's blood. I'm like, what? what is this? Absolutely not. Who did you think was going to come forward? Yeah. Oh, I want to do a, um artwork where I get white people to give me their blood um, and then I, I'll just throw it at one of you. I don't know which one yet. It's going to be a surprise. I'm going to ask for um, white people's money and, uh, and just. And then give it to myself, and it's art. Yeah, yeah that's an art. Patreon plug. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Actually, that's what we already do. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Basically, there's no fluid that is like okay to be asked for on the internet, in my honest opinion. And if that's your thing, like go for it. But I just, it's not. Don't transit. Don't don't send fluids of any kind. <laughs> Jen, I don't mind this. I don't mind this idea of yours. I think you could sell this to Pete Evans, and he could really turn it into some kind of wellness <laughs> venture. Yeah, some kind of broth or something. That'd be cute. Do you have the same audience for it? I swear to God. Oh, my God. It's bone broth, but it's real bones. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm a mouldy person. I'm a person that, you know, has been uh, colonised, has had their ancestral land taken away. And, like, I got bigger problems to worry about than just, like, some guy who wants my blood. You know what I mean? Like, I've already got 10 years less than, like, white people. You know what I mean? What do I want to do spending that time at an art gallery with a bunch of boring I don't know, you know what I mean? I've got time is so limited. And I just I don't want to waste it giving blood to this guy. It's not even gonna like donate it to people who need blood. We have a blood donation shortage in this goddamn country. This is the hill I'm gonna die on. I don't know. Uh, Jen Jen, did you read David Walsh's retraction of the artwork at all? What did you make of it? Um, I mean fine, whatever, I don't care. Like, I just, uh, David Walsh, he's a wealthy gambler and he made a nice museum and I will (laughs) give him that. But, like, uh, I don't know. I just, there were so many points that someone should have been like, yeah, maybe not. And the fact that it took two years before someone was like, maybe like, oh, yeah, this is a bit crook. Yeah. uh, Is 
wild to me. I think like in David Walsh's retraction at the, at the very start of it, he said, oh, you know, when I when this was presented to me, I was like, for the very first time I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, didn't he say he said no? He saw it and he rejected it? And then so he got he got repitched. Wasn't that the apology? And he got repitched, and he was like, "Yeah, the the lefty idiots will love this shit." <laughs> Essentially, <laughs> I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I did I did I did see <laughs> one uh, great comment. This is kind of he summed it up. I'm the archetypal beneficiary of colonial, colonialism. No shit. I've caught myself using that as an excuse for my ignorance. Do I ever have the right to express an opinion, even through art, even? Uh, when experience is lacking, I believe I do, but my ignorance does not empower me. I'm trying to understand now how I thought Sierra's work was worth staging. It's going to offend someone, apparently nearly everyone. Who could benefit? It wouldn't aesthetically be powerful. And even that measly justification for malfeasance and mediocrity, the greater good doesn't apply here. Who does it benefit? Maybe Mona, maybe me. Who knows? <laughs> so it, it's just like he's clearly going, oh, you know, yeah, I kind of, I guess I kind of benefit from this and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, guys. I'm rich is basically what he's saying. <laughs> and as a rich person, I identify with that. <laughs> Where's your museum? Uh, Where's the fricker? <laughs> irrational fear. Well, I think if you talk about cash flow, I think we came in more or less uh, as per expectations. $6.6 billion for the uh, quarter, I think, is a resilient number. But indeed, the year was a very tough year, let's be honest, and a very painful year. This is a rational fear. This week's third fear, Boris Johnson dumps Scotty Morrison by telegram. Uh, now, remember back in December, Scott Morrison was going to talk at some kind of climate summit in the, mm. run by the UN and France and the UK. It was called the Climate Ambition Summit. Uh, now, if there's one thing we know about Scott Morrison, that he's only been ambitious for one thing, and that's um, the leadership of Malcolm Turnbull. But if we also know anything about Australia, it's pretty much the opposite of ambition when it comes to climate action. Uh, imagine the world is like a rowboat and everyone's trying to paddle faster to net zero emissions. Australia is like the cocks in the back yelling about how good they are and occasionally going for a skim, skinny dip off the stern, weighing the world down. Well, this week, a letter dated the 8th of December 2020 has surfaced from the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson to Scott Morrison, uh, gently letting Scott Morrison down and giving a whole bunch of reasons as to why he won't be speaking at this Climate Action Summit. It's it's absolutely glorious um, for anyone who follows anything in climate. Now, I got Rupert Dagas to read it out as Boris Johnson, so we're going to play Hang On A Sec with it. Uh, it just yell out Hang On A Sec whenever you want to stop the, uh, stop the video. Here we go. Dear Scott, thank you for your letter of the 20th of November. I am very pleased by the cooperation between the UK and Australia on climate change including the progress we are making on the Clean Technology Partnership. Energy transition offers huge opportunities for economic growth, creating new sustainable jobs for both our countries and allowing us to shape the technologies of tomorrow. I welcome your personal commitment to net zero and I look forward to Australia setting a time-bound commitment and an ambitious, nationally determined contribution next Hang year. Hang this is this is great because Scott Morrison is the only one pretty much in the Liberal Party who believes in a net zero target. The Nationals just won't let him do anything and <laughs> the nationally determined contribution at COP is this is this goal that, that all countries kind of put forward as to what they're going to do and Australia is 
always the worst. I just love this. <laughs> I love this Bojo just going, I look forward to seeing what the number's going to be next year. Please make it good. <laughs> <laughs> I recognise how complex these issues are domestically and your own personal stake in this. It is also impressive that Australia yeah, has... <laughs> When he says his own personal stake in this, is he talking about Morrison's Scott stocks or or what is this? His own personal love for coal? I think you I think <laughs> he's he seen the photo, I assume. I, I assume he's just talking about what Jenny and the girls how they feel about renewable energy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that so much. Australia has overachieved on its previous target, delivering on our promises. Hang on a sec. Now Bojo is saying that Scott Morrison overachieved on its previous target. Its previous target was based around Kyoto Protocol, a che- like cheating, cheating using Kyoto Protocol targets from several agreements ago, and yet Boris Johnson here is saying, oh, good on you, little boy. You've really done a good job at cheating. Well done. Congratulations. <laughs> you know. I think this is... This hang on a sec really requires quite a detailed knowledge of climate policy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, haven't you been listening to our podcast, Lewis? He's as <laughs> making them. I know that Secretary of State Alok Sharma discussed with Minister Taylor the reasons we were unable to allocate a speaking slot for Australia at the Climate Ambition Summit. <laughs> You yeah, there's reasons where you actually have to do something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a short phone conversation, very quick. Yeah, I think I think this next line is the one that sums that up totally, Amber. Summit. You will understand that we have tried to set a high bar for this summit to encourage countries to come forward with ambitious commitments. <laughs> and Australia is not one of those countries. <laughs> it is so it's so humiliating to be lectured by Boris Johnson, isn't it? It's just it's I feel really sad for, for myself, for the country, for everyone. I always I thought that. I'd be able to get out of the uh, on top, like being like, look, sure, I am whatever. I'm better than Boris Johnson, but now look at us. We're not. We're trash. Yeah, this is yeah. A, this is a guy who contracted COVID because he was shaking hands with people in hospital, like looking <laughs> doorknobs. Imagine being condescended to by a man who looks like a poorly put together scarecrow. Isn't that insane? <laughs> Many occasions for the UK and Australia to work together to showcase climate ambition next year with the G7 and COP26 being the most notable of these. I look forward to continuing to work with you on this and many other issues. In the meantime... Hang on a sec, that just... I mean, whenever people say, I look forward to continuing to work with you on this, it always means I hate your fucking guts. That's what that means. <laughs> Irrational fear! I was at a hospital the other night where I think there were a few, there were actually a few coronavirus uh, patients and I shook hands with everybody. Uh, you'll be pleased to know. And, and I continue to shake hands and uh, uh, I think it's very important that we, you know, people obviously can make up their own minds, I think. A rational fear. All right, well, that's about it for Rational Fear. So thank you so much, uh, everyone, for joining us for Rational Fear this week. Uh, well, I guess we've got time for some plugs. Amber, Schultz, have you got anything to plug? Oh, I wish. Subscribe to Crikey. We do good work most of the time. <laughs> 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 
Did Skullgross and yell at you too? What's going on? I wish. He just kind of looks over us. We're not big enough Scott Morrison to yell at. That's absolutely true. Amber is doing uh, crucial work, uh, particularly around this big subject that's been uh, in the news this week. So thank you, Amber, for all your work on that. Jen Fricker, got anything to plug? Yeah, I'm doing a live comedy show uh, at Melbourne Comedy Festival, Sydney Comedy Festival and Perth with more dates to be announced if you check it all out uh, at jenfricker.com. You can find out where I'll be. And then avoid it or come. The choice is yours. <laughs> we'll, we'll put it in the show notes, that's for sure. Lewis, what have you got to plug? Dan, do I have something to plug? We have a, um, a show, uh, it's a Rational Fear podcast. It's quite a good one. Um, <laughs> it is on the 11th of April. It's a Sunday. And it's at a room that Dan accidentally booked that was too big. So bring a friend. <laughs> My whole family no, bought tickets, Dan. Did you know that? Oh, My whole uh, family. Are they, is that, do they consist of 70 people? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> oh, we're, we're not that big a breeders. Uh, but, you know, there'll be, there'll be five or so hobbers. <laughs> if it doesn't fill up, you're just, you know, socially distancing. That's, that's all. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. No, well, this thing I, really takes. We've still got two weeks to go, so I'm pretty confident we'll at least, you know, crack 150. So that's that's pretty exciting for a comedy festival show. No, Dan, you've got this is this is your 1.5 million all over again. <laughs> we will sell out. We will sell out. Believe in yourself. Yeah, as a rich person, if I could give you some advice, um, you just have to know it on some level. You just have to walk into a room and know it. <laughs> yeah. Manifest. Walk into a half-empty room and know it's full. Yeah. <laughs> I also want to thank Jenny and the girls. Big thanks also to Road Mics, The Bertha Foundation, Go Neutral, our Patreon supporters, Jacob Round on the Teppanyaki Timeline, David Bluestein, Rupert Dagas, and Gabby Bolt for that excellent song. Until next week, there's always something to be scared of. Good night. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.